You might not have put two and two together or realize that this podcast, it's actually produced by a nonprofit, listener-supported Wyoming Public Media. We're just a little old station housed in a basement on the beautiful University of Wyoming campus. We aren't getting paid big bucks as a for-profit business. No siree, we're making this podcast not for money, but because everyone on our team believes in what we do, telling the missing stories of the real American West. But that means we rely on people like you. If you make sure to download every episode as soon as it comes out, or have been telling all your friends what a big Modern West fan you are, or would be seriously bummed if we disappeared from your feed, If all that describes you, I wonder if you'd take a quick minute to do something for me. Get into your browser and search for themodernwest.org and find the donate button. It doesn't matter how much you commit to, $5 or $100. It just matters that you show us that you want us to keep telling these stories. My recommendation? Pause this episode and do it real quick before you forget at themodernwest.org. From Wyoming Public Media, this is The Modern West. Stories to match our scenery. I'm Melody Edwards. I want to give back to the community. I want to start a small business. This is my home. I'd rather not be anywhere else. Right now, moving to the Mountain West is the trendy thing to do. Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, Utah... All are hotspots for new tech and business. Because who can afford the rent in places like L.A. or New York? Since Colorado legalized pot, it's become a sort of mecca. And Bozeman and Livingston, Montana, think of them as the new Austin and Marfa. But two western states don't yet seem to be on the radar. New Mexico's population growth hasn't seen much action. And Wyoming's has dropped for the third year in a row now. Most of that decline is from young people who are leaving the state for jobs in places like Denver and Phoenix. Around 60% of 18 to 24-year-olds leave Wyoming every year. I was once one of those out-migrators myself, so I get that. The adventure and nightlife of the big city calls your name. But the number of kids leaving rural towns now could have some dire consequences for the West like old folks left behind with no one to take care of them, and towns without kids in their schools. So it'd be good to know, what goes into this decision to leave or to stay? Is it professional? Personal? We wanted to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Quentin Meyer and Ryan Walson are recent graduates of Torrington High School. They grew up on the eastern plains of Wyoming. They talk to each other about what it is about Wyoming that they love so much. Also, the reality that a lot more opportunities exist for them outside of the state. I wouldn't change a thing about Wyoming. I love it how it is. Yeah, I uh, love being able to walk outside, and I all you see you can see for miles, and mm-hmm. there's hills, and I mean there's a lot of sagebrush, but <laughs> every once in a while you come across some nice trees. Yeah, one of the things I always also admire is um, 
the open hay fields, especially during the summer. Yeah. You see the hay come grow up, and then you, they lay it down, and it's laid down, and you see it dry, and you're like, oh, they got to bale it soon. Then they bale it, and the hay grows back up. I think that's cool watching that rotation, I guess you could say, just of growing crops in the farming and agriculture of this county. Yeah. Have you ever been tempted to leave Wyoming? Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I kind of plan on doing that. Well, it's hard to say. You know, engineering, I'm going to start in Casper because one of my main goals in life is to uh, come out of college completely debt-free. And to do that, I, I did kind of use livestock judging as a way of paying for my college. So I'll be livestock judging and doing engineering at Casper College. And then after that, I'm going to have to find a university to finish at, with, whether that's UW or I also got an offer from Texas A&M. And finding an engineering job in Wyoming is going to be a lot harder than places like the metropolitan area like Denver. I mean, that, that'd be a lot easier finding a civil engineering job or a mechanical engineering job because there's so much more infrastructure and so much more building that's going on there. That's really what comes down for, for me. I would love to live in Wyoming when I'm older. I mean, that's, that's my, kind of my goal, to retire here and have a, have a ranch with some sheep or cattle or something. Have you been tempted to leave? Um, I have been a little bit because I'm going to school in Milford, Nebraska to become a John Deere tech. And I mean, around here, there are a lot of people that need tractors and stuff worked on, but you can leave and go to a bigger place or a bigger community and stuff, and you can find a job for more money, but it also does come down to where do you want to live, where are you happy and stuff like that. So it's kind of up in the air, but definitely not moving anytime soon. Has there ever been a time that you felt like you didn't belong in Wyoming? I honestly don't think so. I mean, been here my whole life and just everything I do is pretty easy to do in Wyoming. Yeah. Like going out and shooting raccoons on canal roads yep. and <laughs> spotlighting coyotes and stuff like that. Yep. You can't do that in a big city. You can't go just driving on the canal road shooting raccoons in the middle of the night. Shoot a raccoon in town in New York, you're... Yeah, you're getting sent You're five feet jail. from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. I gotta agree with you. I don't know if there's been a time I've ever not felt like I belonged in Wyoming. It's a, honestly, it's a pretty welcoming place, I think. Yeah. And that might be because we're born here and we know everybody, but at the same time, I feel like these are great people that are very welcoming. I can't tell you the amount of times I've gone to a family branding or whatever and we go help someone brand, and that's, that's cool, that sense of community, you know? I feel connected to that, connected to ag, connected to farming. I mean, we're not huge into it, but it's still a part of my blood, part of my family going and working for Dietzler Farms and going out on the ranch and you're just fixing the fence and looking and all you see is hills and grass for miles yes. and just peaceful and definitely clears the mind. Yeah, and you're lonely. It's only you and like your thoughts. There's nobody else around you except for the cattle. And you can talk to them if you want. I mean, <laughs> I've done that a few they times. They ain't gonna make fun of you. Yeah, they ain't gonna make fun of you. They're not gonna judge you. It's kind of sense of you just being here by yourself. We have that freedom. Because yeah. who's gonna tell you no in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. Yeah, Wyoming is definitely type of place that yep. I mean, you can live a ways away and still have your peace and quiet and feel alone, but with somebody, and you can still drive a little ways and still be able to. Yeah, go find you're... the people and do the things you want in town. I think it's the balance between the two. Yeah. When you feel like you need to have some alone time and, or you need to be with people, 
when you're out on the, at the farm and you're by yourself, it makes those moments like with people in town even like sweeter, you know? Yeah. You gotta love that what kind of way of life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love just being a country folk. One of my most favorite things is the stories of old men and women too. Yeah. I, I mean, old ranch women are some of the smartest people I know. Since we just graduated and we know a lot of our classmates are not gonna be sticking around here. Why do you think that is? Yes, Torrington is kind of a ranch and farm community, but there are a lot of kids that are kind of wanting to move on to different things and they're not like they're just not farm and ranch type kids. And just like me, even like you want to be a mechanical engineer, there's not really much place you can do that around here. No, yeah. So I feel like just for them, they find out what they want to do, kind of can't really stick around here. Yep. Yeah, Wyoming is definitely a place more for hunting outfits and yep. ranches. Yep. Okay, but what about the kids that aren't cut from that same cowboy cloth as Quentin and Ryan? Some have a harder time growing up in a place that can be harsh and unforgiving. And I'm not just talking about the landscape. Connor Sears and Jesse Archambault are recent graduates of Cheyenne East High School. They both left Wyoming and are now living in Peoria, Illinois, where they have found a thriving LGBT community. They talk about how they both feel a little guilty they didn't stay to create the kind of community that they wish they had. Like last year, when a principal at a Cheyenne Middle School banned LGBTQ pride flags. Tell me about a time where you felt like you did have a sense of belonging in Wyoming. That's the tricky part. Um, there were moments where I did feel defended. I felt like people stuck up for me. One specific memory I, I, I can recall is sitting in my sophomore year Spanish class. Um, I had Miss Karen Pope, uh, may she rest in peace. I had been sat next to a kid who was very comfortably homophobic, very unapologetically homophobic, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, you know, I remember, it was like the little instances that made it the worst. I, if I touched a pencil, he wouldn't, he would throw it away. You know, it was like, it was like the little things. It wasn't him ever like writing the F word all over my, my assignments and whatnot. It was the little things, but nevertheless, um, there was one day where she, kept me back and she said, hey, what's up? What, what's going on? Because I've, I notice you feel uncomfortable and I just want to know, you know, like, well, how can I help you? What's up? And I remember telling her everything, um, spilled it all out there. And she, the first thing she said was, in this room, that will never happen again. And it was that moment that I felt like there was someone who was ready to go to bat for me. It's those, those little moments that, that are what, what matter. Did you ever feel, did you ever have a moment? I remember when I came out to my mom for the first time she was really accepting of it, but we got into this fight about whether or not I should be out, essentially. And I wanted to tell people, mm -hmm. I wanted to tell my friends, I wanted to tell my teachers, and be out and proud, wear my gay stuff everywhere. 
And my mom was against that. She didn't want that to happen, and I wasn't really understanding why, and that was the first time I ever heard of Matthew Shepard. And she told me basically like there was this awful hate crime that happened very close to here and I don't want that to happen to you. And that was kind of when I realized like, I have a lot that I need to do and I don't really know if Wyoming is the best place for that to flourish. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you bring that up because my mom is very very much the same way. You know, and I, and I think I wondered for a really long time if it was, are you ashamed of it or are you worried for me? Um, and now I've come to the conclusion that they were they were just worried, especially because of Matthew Shepard. Have you ever second-guessed your choice to leave Wyoming and what stopped you from coming back? Yes. I actually think about it a lot, uh, and I think I've, I've thought about it a lot more recently than I did initially. I was, at the beginning of the year, after leaving Wyoming at the beginning of, you know, like last fall, I think I was swept up in, in the change that I didn't really notice it, but hearing about the incident at McCormick Junior High School, it kind of made me sit back and think, Wyoming is dying for activists right now, and I'm not there. And I think I felt guilty going to a state that is fairly progressive and does have a lot of policies that celebrate um, queer identities and protect queer identities. Yeah, I, I do reflect on that a little bit. And even to this day, sometimes I think that while I am happy with my choice, I could be doing a lot of awesome activist things here a lot of my friends are still in Wyoming. And in Peoria, I remember there was a moment where I just felt really alone. There was, I was still growing into my spot in college and finding new people to be around. And I was completely separated from everybody that I used to know. And I thought I should go back. And I think what kept me in Peoria was Ever since probably about middle school, I've been exploring gender identity. That was always a kind of journey that I went on by myself that I never really got to ask someone about. I remember being in elementary school and like Googling, am I gay on Google? And it would have been very nice to have a person tell me, if you're Googling, if you're gay on Google, you're probably gay. So being in Peoria, I was with a lot of friends and they were talking about someone and I remember them using they, them pronouns just flawlessly. They were respecting that person's gender identity and that was something that was just very eye-opening for me in the fact of there is so much that I need to see. There is so much that I need to experience so that way I can become this person for other people. I can become the, the girl who takes the freshman by the shoulder and says, you don't need to apologize for existing. I would say that the way I've started to view it or tried to view it is that leaving Wyoming, I was a little baby activist. And then 
right now I'm at a point in my life where I am trying to become as unapologetic, as powerful, as intelligent, as well-versed, as well-read as I possibly can so that, you know, after my four years or after my five or eight or however many years, uh, I can I, I can come back and I can say confidently we need social change. It's very nice to see narratives of survival within the queer community. Mm-hmm. It's very nice to see people who have made it to 21, people who have made it to 50, people, and just having a place where you can share this sense of survival and resistance and community that mm-hmm. just people are together existing and being okay with it. And you can be okay with however you are as well. So yeah, a lot of young people decide to leave in search of a kind of culture they have looked for in their hometowns but haven't found. Coming up, others are lucky enough to have generations of tradition and culture all around them. If you are liking what you're hearing, and actually, hey, even if you don't, we would love to hear about it. Take a moment right now to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. It'll help new listeners discover the modern West so that we can keep bringing you stories about the evolving identity of the American West. Hey, thanks, y'all. Growing up on the Wind River Reservation, Eastern Shoshone member Gabby St. Clair and Northern Arapaho member Angelo Sage say their families gave them that sense of identity and belonging, even when frightening incidents hit close to home. Like the recent police shooting of a Native man with a knife in front of a Walmart in the reservation border town of Riverton. That's the town where Angela went to school. Right now, honestly, Wyoming kind of feels just like a home to me. I guess it's just through ancestry. You kind of just feel like you belong here. Your people, you know, thrive here. It's our reservation. And so I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know what's your perspective on that. Like, My take on that is uh, my specific belief on why I don't want to leave Wyoming is because back on the Arapaho side, on the Wind River side anyways, that's where my home is. I want to give back to the community. I want to start a small business. This is my home. I'd rather not be anywhere else. Everywhere else is kind of like overrated. So... You went to Riverton. That's my rivalry high school, so I really don't like Riverton. Just kidding. But um, both schools are predominantly white. How how did you, like, how was Riverton with that? So before I came to Riverton, I was actually on the reservation at Rappo School. Once I got into middle school, I was in Riverton all the way up to high school. Now, I faced adversity along the way, but I had a good time, and... It also helped build my character as well because I also was a little bit insecure about myself, but I overcame all these odds and I'm better with myself and more content with myself now. So how was on the opposite end in Lander? How was the the rivalry taken down there? Because here in Riverton, some people got really stoked about, but for me, I really didn't care. I mean, as an athlete, that's like one of the main things we strive for is to beat Riverton in the dirt. Um, But that actually brings me to a great point that 
a lot of the racism I experienced was in sports. And you, I don't know, it's just like you gotta, when people actually try to call you something, try to get at you negative, and just because of the way you are, just because of the race or the people you hung out with or your ways, man, it's just like, it kind of just bounced off like as an athlete. But um, during school, I never really had a problem. I mean, everyone was pretty nice and it's like kind of like we were not really the superheroes, but you know, kind of like everyone knew the natives because of the way we played sports, the way we were. And as giving people, people saw that because when we had senior nights, they noticed that all the natives usually gave out gifts to everyone, not just the coaches, but their whole team. And so I think throughout the years, I guess it's just kind of evolved to like more diversity in Lander. And I really like that. I wish I could say the same about Riverton. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> Riverton wasn't too bad. There was occasional racism there, but it's all just a matter of like that they were taught that they're ignorant to the fact that there's other people out there besides them. I feel a sense of belonging in my tribe because our uh, ceremonies and a lot of our activities are community-based. When I help and sweat, it's an open thing where we express ourselves and talk about how we feel and everyone gets an opportunity as well to do those positions for being a Hinan, Net Hinan, which means waterman in Arapaho. Even in like Sundance, we can help around with that, help our families. And shoot, even in powwows, you can help out with them, you can dance in them. My culture makes me feel secure, safe, strong, connected. I feel that I know myself better. Man, I sure wish I could say that I culturally connect like that because, man, if I could go on the powwow trail, I would, but there's just not enough time. I'm kidding. But the sense of belonging I get is especially when we use our own language. And it's honestly kind of like sad, but it's also kind of like upbringing in a way because you want to keep your language. You want, to, you want it to stay here. But it's like we're losing so many native speakers just day after day, and it's crazy. And it's like, I guess in that cultural perspective, I can see that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's so cool that you're speaking Arapaho. I mean, I think that's so dope, man. You're, like, you introduced yourself in Arapaho. I mean, I could have been Shoshone, but <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's just, I, I guess that's what makes me feel like a belonging, at least one of the points. It's, it's really nice. So growing up on the Wind River Reservation, what was the best part about growing up there in your opinion? Man, the scenery. I guess words can't explain it. You just gotta be part of it, you know what I mean? Like, you just gotta be part of the community in order to really experience how it is. And not many people get that. I mean, tourists come through and I hate tourist season, trust me, but like, there's a heartbeat to Wind River that a lot of people don't know about and I just love it. And it's the nice, it's a positive one. And it's just that sense of home, I guess. It's that nice feeling. I don't know if you get the same feeling. Do you? Well, my favorite part about growing up on the reservation was just having that really good feeling of actually knowing that I have a lot of family 
having all the cousins and a bunch of grandmas is just the best feeling in the world. Makes me want to tear up because I'm thankful to have so many good artists and inspirational people in my life. That attachment to the beauty of home that Gabby mentioned, it might not be enough to lure all rural kids back, but it's incredibly valuable. I left for years, crossed oceans, and learned new languages, but I came back to raise my family close to my home mountains. I might not be making as great a living as if I had stayed away, but I am making a great life. I often tell myself when I'm really wondering if I made the right choice, I live in a place where everyone else in the country goes on vacation. See portraits of all the young people in these conversations at our website, themodernwest.org. Join us next time when we learn about the hardships tribes have gone through to get wild bison back on reservations. You know, most Native people know how important innately buffalo was, but even then we don't have a connection to it because we didn't have it around. Couldn't eat it, couldn't smell it. Couldn't pray with it. Wild Bison, next time on The Modern West. I'm Melody Edwards. The conversations you heard were produced by Tennessee Watson, Charles Fournier, and Savannah Marr. The episode was produced with help from Evan O'Neill. Our theme song is by Screen Door Porch. The Modern West is a production of Wyoming Public Media. One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories that we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. So connect with us on social media and let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. We're at Modern West Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's Modern West Pod.